My earliest experiences with uh, computers stems all the way back to the late 60s when I was working on a master's degree at McMaster University and I was analyzing data that was spewing out of a mainframe CDC 6400 located on one side of the campus at McMaster University. At the time, I fell in love with computer technology. I uh, was amazed at what computers were able to do, and I learned how to master the little bit of programming I needed to get the data results that I needed. At one point, I considered going into computers instead of where I was headed after uh, undergraduate and graduate school, but I didn't. And then when I was in a classroom and desktop computers began appearing, I picked up on the computer technology almost exactly where I left off. And it wasn't very long before I became somewhat of an expert in the eyes of my colleagues because I had an understanding of what was happening behind the scenes and what was going on. But I read a great deal and I thought a great deal about the role the computer was going to play in the future in the classroom. And everything I read confirmed my understanding and my belief that only once we reconfigured our understanding of what a classroom was and where a teacher stood and where students sat and how we interacted with each other was the computer actually going to fulfill its promise in terms of changing education. Believe it or not, I'm talking about a time almost 30 years ago when the computer first started to make its way into elementary classrooms. And now we're on the precipice of massive changes in how we view education. Most people don't see it that way, but if you follow the logic, here we are at the end, hopefully, of the pandemic. And as I'm speaking, we have hundreds of thousands of students who are learning from home because their classrooms are closed to avoid overwhelming the medical system and hospitals in particular. And they have been learning online and parents are talking about how the learning online has damaged the mental health of their children and teachers are afraid of what will happen when all the kids come back to school and so on. But we're on this edge. Before too long, everybody will be back in school. But our understanding of what a classroom is has changed. Not for me, but for the 
average teacher in the average classroom in the average size school where because of the pandemic they were forced to learn how to teach online and of course when you teach online you can't teach to a whole class the way you could when you were in a bricks and mortar school there's no such thing anymore as a whole class in rows with the sage on the stage at the front of the classroom and everybody trying to learn the same thing because we've been online or professionals have been online they have come to realize that education doesn't have to be one size fits all and that one lesson isn't good for everybody in the classroom and you have to intervene with individual students to help them understand so now we know that going down the road a little bit our understanding of what classrooms are and what teachers do and how students learn and how we deliver curriculum is all going to change it's not all going to be easy or perfect but over time the wheels have been set in motion it's like a snowball a small little snowball rolling down a hill and gaining momentum and picking up more snow as it goes or even better um, um, landslide or a snow slide with with an avalanche that's the word I was trying to think of an avalanche of snow coming down the hill because something has started it not too many days ago Andy Hargreaves who is a foremost theoretician in terms of education working still at the University of Chicago wrote an article in which he advocated or advanced the argument that the future of learning lies in engagement this follows through on the understanding that when we teach students one-on-one -on -one, we have an opportunity to engage them in the lessons in a way we never could engage them when they were in a class of 25 or 26 students in a bunch of rows because now we understand that technology allows us to reach out to the individual learner we now know <clears throat> and we've already begun this process of using a variety of tech tools to promote engagement we know we understand now that what motivates the students when we're talking to them are real world problems they're not engaged by lessons taught by the sage on the stage but by work that's facilitated by the guide on the side so what do we know about these students that we're working with one of the keys to remember going forward is that all of our students come to us at the beginning of their school years as curious 
curiosity is very much a part of the young years of a child, whether they're male or female. We know that children explore, they touch, they feel, they put things to their mouths, they, they, they consume things, they watch, they study. They're curious about the world and the people around them. They're naturally curious. But not everybody is as curious as the next person. So right off the bat, we need to remember there is a gradation of curiosity. Some people are invariably curious for years and years, <coughs> and others not so much, but they never actually lose their <coughs> questioning attitude, their approach to the world. When, when children are small, we know that they explore the world using their senses. They touch, they smell, they feel. Learning is hands-on. It begins that way. And sadly, in the past, when students were in rows, they stopped learning by touching. They had to learn by using their heads and using their ears and using their mouths and their eyes rather than touching and feeling. But that created a juncture between how they learn and what they're interested in and what they're able to do. Now we know we can go back to that initial curiosity and that hands-on learning. So when we imagine school after the pandemic, when we think about what classrooms are going to be like, it's important to think about there being a process of change, number one. It's not going to happen overnight. This is something that's going to take a long time. If you think about the number of years that it took to go from uh, the sage on the uh, the sage on the stage when so many of us baby boomers went to school and the teacher was at the front and we were in rows to what we see in classrooms today that's already two generations we're not talking about these changes happening overnight but over time we will facilitate students exploring the world using technology whether that be cameras in in places that are increasingly um, apparent and and open museums and zoos and and space stations and arenas and uh, stadiums all have webcams now and people spend time watching the action and there will be people we can con communicate with people who are no longer right in front of us in the classroom we can communicate with people who are at a far distance if i'm reading a book 
because I went to the library and saw a title I was interested in. As I get older, I can try to contact the author if I'm really interested, or I can use Google to find out about the information that the book presents or the background of the book. Or if I'm reading something and something comes up in the dialogue that doesn't make any sense to me, I can use Google. I no longer am stuck with, oh, I don't understand that, I'll just bypass it. The technology allows us to deepen our learning experiences. So we'll be able to change the classroom the way we knew we were going to have to change the classroom when computers first became prominent. They're not going to be along a wall. They're going to be in front of us or maybe on something that we see through one eye or that we wear on our heads or that we plug into and put into our ears. Just think about all the different ways we see people communicating today and imagine what that's going to do for the classroom. People coming and going, people pursuing interests that motivate them to learn. It's all about motivating people to learn. There are so many different dimensions to this change, but when you think about reimagining the classroom, imagine all the different things we see in the newspapers, magazines, on TV, in the movies, and how they might come into the classroom. As I end this, I would have never believed 25 years ago, before the internet became prominent, how much our lives would have changed. And yet they have. And teaching and classrooms and schools are going to change with them. So when you think about reimagining education, think big. Don't think small. Because as big as you can think, I'm going to guess it's not going to be big enough.